Week 14 already, kind of unbelievable, and this should be a good one. Very interesting with the quarterback situation and the old head in Tom Brady coming to town and the 6-6 six and six Tampa Bay Buccaneers being hosted by the 8-4 and four San Francisco 49ers. We're doing it up crossover style. Locked on 49ers, locked on Buccaneers. Week 14 coming at you right now. You are locked on 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode for week 14. Locked On 49ers, Locked On Buccaneers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker here from Locked On 49ers. We've got David Harrison from Locked On Bucks doing it up. And I'm excited about this one, guys. I do want to thank everybody for making the Locked On Podcast Network your first listen, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On 49ers and Locked On Buccaneers is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Crossover Thursday, always presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is so much fun. It's easy to play as well. No competing with other players. It's just you versus the projections available. Pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on that entry. It can literally take less than 60 seconds to enter. It's that easy. We love prize picks. We know you will too. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. David, how you holding up? I know you've been all over the all over the East Coast at least, and I'm assuming you're not going to travel all the way west for this game uh, in Santa uh-huh. Clara with uh, the Buccaneers at the 49ers on a short week. Uh, I'm not actually. I had to choose between it was either Monday night against the Saints or I could do the the West Coast trip uh, against the 49ers. And I chose among other reasons, but basically uh, mainly the divisional game is is what I chose, because really the way that the NFC South is is shaping up, as you guys know, if if the Buccaneers, you know, they beat the Saints, if they beat the Falcons, they beat the Panthers, they're going to be in the playoffs back, you know, call it whatever you want, backing backing in, falling in. Tripping yeah. into the playoffs, they're going to be there regardless if they win those three games. So, hey, back to five hundred though for those six and yeah. six Buccaneers. So at least you got one team in the division uh, at five hundred, trying to get over five hundred now. Uh, yeah. What's the biggest storyline with those Buccaneers in in comeback? Tom Brady. Yeah, it's it's the it's the continued self containment of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, and and you know. It's kind of an interesting dynamic because I've gone back here a couple of times, but, you know, the last two years with Bruce Arians at the helm and Tom Brady, obviously, at quarterback, Byron left, which has gotten zero credit. Like when the offense was doing great and humming and putting up points at a record setting pace and all this stuff, it was all, you know, it's B.A. and Tom's offense. Byron is just the guy sitting there, you know, pushing the buttons that they tell him to push. And, you know, that's why he's getting all the credit. But now that the offense is struggling, a lot of it has gone to Byron left, which and all of a sudden Tom Brady, who was supposedly – you know, incredibly involved in the offense the last two years is, is all of a sudden not involved in how the offense is running this year. It's all on Byron. And I find that a little bit interesting. Uh, why, you know, why I think it's more about excusing Tom than it is blaming Byron, but the end result eventually is blaming Byron. But then we see specifically in Cleveland, really Todd Bowles kind of become the enemy of the Buccaneers offense and decide not to trust his future Hall of Fame quarterback who has the record setting amount of fourth quarter comeback wins and late late game wins uh, and all this other stuff and really handcuffs him, takes it to overtime, literally on purpose. I mean, he basically told us after the game, overtime was already written, so that's what we're going to do. Um, but bottom line is this Buccaneers offense, they're 27th in scoring, 18.1 points per game. There are nine teams scoring less than 20 points per game right now in the NFL. Two of them are in the playoffs if – the, the season ends today. 
Tennessee and Tampa, and both of them are basically falling in because they're in weak divisions. Uh, but the Buccaneers, you have to learn something from this because in this late win against the New Orleans Saints, Brady had 163 yards coming into the final two drives of the game, had 118 in those final two drives uh, to win the game for them, 14 of 19 in those when he was 22 of 35 the rest of the way. I think the biggest number I can throw out to 49ers fans and Bucks fans to understand what is happening with this team is the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are fifth in the NFL in overall passing, which sounds really great, but they're 26th in yards per pass. That is what's happening with this offense is you're getting handcuffed to everything less than 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. They're not stretching the field from a design standpoint, not just a success standpoint. They're not stretching the field. And I think against an offense in San or a defense in San Francisco, you can't do that. But uh, you come away with the late, late game win against the New Orleans Saints. And honestly, I feel like Todd Bowles felt vindicated in the way that he approached the game because of the last second win, yeah. not that he trust came away learning defense. to trust his offense. Yeah. Why are the the yards per reception and all that, or yards per attempt? Why is it so low? Because when you look at the weapons yeah. they have, I mean, it's like, oh, you got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin, you know, <laughs> you got Julio Jones, you know, Scotty Miller. Like it feels like they're guys that can catch the ball, you know, downfield, and it almost feels like right. that should be the way that they're playing more so than kind of the dink and dunk offense. But uh, what is it that either those guys aren't doing, or is this something? Does this have something to do with? Tom Brady and maybe he's just older. He's not able to push the ball downfield yeah. with as much accuracy as we've seen before. And and uh, real quick before you answer, I did watch the last game and I saw him throw two passes downfield and both mm. of them is like he put everything he had into it and then ended up overthrowing guys. So it's not just yeah. that effortless deep ball throw that we're used to seeing from Brady. So is this kind of the beginning of the end uh, for Brady <laughs> or the end of the end for Brady? Or is yeah. it just uh, nah, it's the offense and maybe the play caller, Byron Leftwich or the weapons or something that's going on with those guys? Yeah, I really I mean, I really feel like it's 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 a, a side effect of the contained result of this offense. Right. So everything is short. Everything screen passes, quick passes or dump offs to the running backs. And then when you get to the point, you know, 23, 24 offensive plays into it where you say, OK, Tom, now you can unleash it. He hasn't done that all day. And in theory, he hasn't done it since what, probably an hour before kickoff when he's going out there, you know, running or throwing some routes with his receivers. So in that moment, now you're now you're getting a quarterback. And, and, you know, I know Tom is the greatest to ever do it, but he's still a human being. And I think that when you haven't been able to unleash your arm and you haven't built up for it, you know, hitting those 10 to 12, you know, intermediate routes, stuff like that, I think it's hard to expect a guy to just boom, now all of a sudden come out and unload a deep one with 100% accuracy. And that's just kind of the way I feel about it. But, and from, again, again, from a design standpoint, you mentioned Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin has four deep targets this year. And there's, and I know he's, you know, he's coming off the injuries, had some other injury issues, but if Chris Godwin has played four quarters of football, he should have four deep targets. That's kind of the way, you know, I kind of feel about a guy like Chris Godwin. So to be in, you know, coming up to mid December and this guy's got four deep targets this season, like it's, it's a huge design flaw. And, and, you know, again, like I said, I think that when you go through a quarter, quarter and a half, even two quarters before you ask Tom or Tom decides, and again, I think Tom has a hand in this to, to uncork a deep ball it's hard to expect that first, even the second one, to be spot on. But then later in the game, like we saw against New Orleans Saints and against the Los Angeles Rams, you see that ball gets more accurate. And I think that's basically uh, what you need to do with Tom is give him those opportunities to get that thing going early on. Kind of go a little out of order here because I, I want to bring up a key before we get to what's going on with the biggest story with the San Francisco 49ers next. And it, it sounds like because a lot of the best plays in that Monday night game was, you know, to Scotty Miller, even if, if it was completed or mm -hmm. a penalty, uh, you know, going deep down the field to 
to Mike Evans. Uh, I, I love the dime throw. It wasn't a deep ball, but it was a dime throw from Tom Brady to Chris Godwin in the end zone that I believe got yeah. called back for yeah, yeah. Uh, for a penalty. So some of the big plays were working. So it, it seems like this team should try at least a few more of those because yeah. uh, at this point it's like, okay, make sure you cover Kate Otten on those quick outs, you know? I mean, hey. And, and but that's the frustrating thing is, is and again you come away I came away from the press conference Monday night Tuesday morning whatever time it was when we actually got to it and and Todd was kind of asked about not being aggressive earlier in the game and kind of waiting until you're under seven minutes left in the game really five I mean the the Saints had a two score lead with like five thirteen left in the game I think and that's when you really saw them turn on and get, and get aggressive and he kind of pointed to and said well you know if I do what you guys are talking about doing maybe we lose this game and it, it kind of came across as like this. I don't want to say smug because Todd Bowles isn't really a smug guy, but almost, like I said, a vindication of, see, guys, me waiting until five and a half minutes left in the game down 13 to really turn it on worked, and you just and it makes you worried, at least from an outsider standpoint, that that's going to continue to be the blueprint. But I think if you're Todd Bowles, you just got to look at it, and that, that's been your blueprint for pretty much the entire season. You're 6-6, six and six, bro. Like, I get it. You just won a game in exciting fashion. You beat the Andy Dalton-led Saints you know, this isn't a world beater themselves. Like it's, it shouldn't be something you hang your hat on. It should be a moment where this team is saying, okay, we got away with that one. Let's learn from those lessons. But I just feel like we're going to see more of the same because they feel vindicated in the way that they approached it. And by the way, the saints allowed the, the Buccaneers to have that opportunity, which probably shouldn't even happen if right. Mark Ingram's going and, and getting first downs instead of running yeah. out of downs. So. Not just that. There's some other stuff too, actually. I've yeah. got it written down to talk about later. There's there's a lot of opportunities there that the Saints had to win that game. Absolutely. All right. More biggest stories in this one. Some key matchups for Buccaneers, uh, 49ers, and our predictions for Week 14 coming up. Today's episode brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find a sneak peek of Block Forever available right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Check it out on the Locked On NFL channel right now. Block Forever is a brand new podcast from former NFL All-Pro offensive lineman Ryan Khalil and Audible. Khalil takes the conversation about football to the next level, talking about everything from an insider's perspective on the field, and especially off the field with some of the greatest players and personalities of all time. Khalil sits down with star players, coaches, former pros across the league to get real about what happens on the field and behind the scenes, like in the locker room, during team meetings, some juicy tidbits, no doubt from there. Back at the hotel, you know, things get down at the hotel and, you know, maybe some other some other venues potentially uh, around the league. Croc likes to tell some stories about uh, a, a player handing him a stack at, at a certain uh, establishment. Uh, Christian McCaffrey of the 49ers talks about his love-hate relationship with fantasy football. Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, tons of uh, players will be involved with Ryan Khalil and new episodes coming every Thursday before Thursday Night Football. So check out Block Forever. The sneak peek is on the Locked On NFL channel right now. Block Forever. Catch the full series available everywhere you get your podcasts. Now, Audible, get in the game. Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers and Locked On Bucks your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I was about to say earlier, guys, uh, I was about to call Tom Brady comeback kid, but but we know he's not a kid anymore. And, Croc, would you disagree that the biggest story in 49ers land right now is, is the actual kid, Brock Purdy, who was born 
uh, December before Tom Brady was drafted. So December 1999 is when Brock Purdy was born. And 2000 April is when Tom Brady was drafted. And by the way, Tom Brady, when quarterbacks make their NFL debut start against him, those quarterbacks are 0-6 in their career. So I, I think old guy versus young guy, and it's always a big story when Tom Brady comes to town and comes back home. That's the biggest storyline going on for the 49ers, right, Croc? Definitely. Big big storyline with Brock Purdy. You know, he played well and helped the 49ers beat the Miami Dolphins, and that was a big-time opponent there. Obviously, the defense had a big hand in that, forcing uh, three turnovers and getting some stops as well. But how is Brock Purdy going to play? You know, and, and there are a lot of people that are very optimistic with what they saw and feel like, hey, he could potentially carry that and uh, moving forward. And if he does then this team will, you know, continue to be legit, a, a legit con contender. Because right now they're kind of dropping in some rankings because of who's that quarterback. But I think a lot of fans, they've been buzzing, man, about Brock Purdy. I talked to someone who actually uh, prepped him for the draft last night, and uh, he was really excited about it and talked about how he's got that dog in him, and, and uh, he's a very confident kid. So uh, I'm curious to see how confident will he be when he steps on the field and he looks – across and he sees a uh, big Tom Brady over there. That That's going to be the ultimate challenge. Yeah. When you're, when you're Brock Purdy, do you look across and you see Tom Brady? And you're like, Oh my God, Tom Brady, the goat, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, this, this, like this daunting thing that I have to go play against in my first start. Or does he look across and say, Hey, sixth round pick became the greatest ever. How about I become the greatest ever next as a seventh round pick? <laughs> I wonder what the mindset's going to be for young Brock Purdy in a big game like this. And you know what? To be honest with you, I think Brock Purdy, and I know I'm sure you have questions, David, about this. I think Brock Purdy has been pretty up to the task from what we've seen in very small samples. We'll see what it looks like with multiple games and defensive coordinators having an opportunity to, to break down his tape and try to go at him in a certain way. But hasn't had a problem with the rush in his face, getting the ball out quick. Um, the moment doesn't seem too big for him. He's you know played a lot of college football and in preparation. He's been very prepared for the moment, even though he didn't know he was going to get that opportunity last week. So all those things really point to um, you know a, a, a good opportunity for him. And I think a lot of 49ers fans got excited about what they saw last week against the Dolphins, but. This is a, this could go in a lot of directions for the 49ers, so it's absolutely the biggest story. We're on the verge of Brock Purdy mania if he does well, or on the verge of, oh bleep, what the hell do we do now at quarterback for the 49ers who are trying to go to a Super Bowl? Well, if he doesn't yeah. do well, it'll probably be because of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. So, David, I want to ask right. you, what's going on on that side of the ball? Because right now, we talked about the offense kind of sputtering a little bit. I actually counted it earlier, and I think they're like 27th in scoring offense. But the defense... They're actually keeping this team in the game, and you saw how they were able to stifle the Saints' the uh, offense down down late in that game uh, for the offense to have the ability to come back. So, uh, what do you think about that defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers matched up against the 49ers offense? Who, even without you know uh, you know a legit starting quarterback that they've had back there, you still got guys like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, right. uh, all these weapons. So how do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense match up against the 49ers offense? Yeah, I think that's honestly, that's one of my key matchups in this game is really the Buccaneers secondary. I mean, obviously what Todd Bowles is going to try to do against Purdy and, and try to confuse him and try to try to kind of trick the, the young quarterback into some mistakes. But as much as that is a matchup, I think Kyle Shanahan and, and what the Niners offense can do 
uh, versus this Buccaneers secondary. And that's kind of the question I have about the 49ers with Brock Purdy is, does this handcuff Kyle Shanahan? And, and, and you know, again, I've, I've seen Kyle because he you know, obviously used to be a coach with the Atlanta Falcons, but you guys obviously know Kyle Shanahan a lot better than, than I'm going to. So I'm curious if this kind of dulls a little bit of Kyle's creativity or if he's just going to let it loose anyway and just basically trust his quarterback to do the right things in the right moments. Because if you look at the Buccaneers defense from Monday night, missing Antoine Winfield Jr., missing Mike Edwards, both of those guys mispracticed again on Wednesday, so who knows if they're going to actually play uh, this weekend in, in San Francisco. Sean Murphy bunting limited in practice, so he you know looks like he's trending upwards. But there were moments, guys, on Monday night that this Buccaneers secondary looked completely out of whack. And, and honestly, even go down to the linebacker level and pass uh, defense, they gave up explosive passes to Andy Dalton of 20, 21, 26, 30, and 40. Like that's, that's a lot of explosive passes to give up to any quarterback, let alone Andy Dalton. But then you add on, and this is what we were kind of mentioning before, Brian, they had dropped explosive passes by Chris Olave and by Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, that pass maybe ends the game there if he catches that because that's third and 17. You're getting 20, 21 yards. That's a first down towards the waning moments of the game. The Saints might come away with that win. But even when you go back to Chris Olave, it's a second quarter drop, but they're up 7-3 at that point in time, the New Orleans Saints, and that catch puts them in the red zone. If you go back to that moment, he drops that ball, and what ends up happening is the Saints come out. They try to do the whole, you know, draw them off sides. They take the, the false start or the delay game penalty, and they punt. So you go from three points to no points minimum, if not a touchdown, if Chris Olave doesn't have that drop. So some blown opportunities, taking advantage of a secondary that was banged up and quite honestly not facing the most complicated offense in the New Orleans Saints offense, Landy Dalton. There's there's not a whole lot of trickery going on there, guys. So I wonder if Kyle Shanahan, if you're Kyle Shanahan, even with Brock Purdy, I still look at it if I'm Kyle and I say, you know what? Let's do some creative things. Let's mix things up a little bit, see if we can't get some lucky shots where we get guys like Debo, Christian McCaffrey, just running free because they blow assignments. You know, it's it's interesting because the both teams have an opportunity to look at what the other team did against a common opponent in the New Orleans Saints very recently, yeah. too. And judging by that game, there's not going to be a, a lot of points scored. You know, just judging by what the 49ers do on defense, seeing how many points the, the Buccaneers have been putting up this year, a rookie quarterback for the 49ers playing. And it's a good question by you of, of what Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to do with his rookie quarterback. I, I have a feeling he's going to open up more than we expect because yeah. it didn't look any different than the Jimmy Garoppolo game plan. And right. Brock, he allowed Brock Purdy to throw the ball 37 times last week. It's so, yeah. And the 49ers have been throwing the ball more often, not necessarily down the field or anything like that, but they've been throwing the ball more in total since Christian McCaffrey came aboard because, you know, some runs just became passes. And, and that's, you know, smart. That's what you have to do when you bring in someone like Christian McCaffrey. So will he dial that back a little bit, knowing what, that he builds a game plan for a different quarterback now? And I'm sure, you know, Coaches and coordinators and, and quarterbacks will always go over the game plan together and, okay, what plays do you feel comfortable with? Which plays do you like? So I'm sure it'll look a little bit different. But judging by last week, I honestly don't think he'll be deployed all that differently than than Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo had. And, Croc, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle Shanahan's kind of wired that way where if you're available, he's going to utilize you as much as yeah. he thinks he needs to utilize you. That's the perception. Running backs so. going to the game, I mean, just extremely banged up, broken ribs, bad knee, twisted finger, and Kyle say, uh, I got five running backs active, but you are carrying the ball 27 times. You're the starter, so here you go. <laughs> the doctor's cleared you, so here's the ball. Have fun. 
Yeah, and that's the that's kind of the way. And Kyle Shanahan's an obviously competitive guy. All these guys are freakishly competitive, but you know he's he's going to do what he thinks he needs to do to to win the game. And so maybe he'll dial that back if it's not working out great. But he also knows that this is a game where it might be a race to you know twenty points or something like that. If you can get in the end zone a couple of times, you'll feel pretty good about your point total in this game that I think is going to be low. That said, we've got to make some predictions here. Uh, I do have one more little key I want to get to before we make those predictions for week 14 49ers buccaneers next and of course you can lay your cash on the line on this game if you would like niners favored by three and a half at home against the buccaneers at betonline.net your number one sports source for sports betting information stats news and analysis this season all the latest weekly lines latest odds trends for every professional and amateur league out there not only nfl odds which there are a ton of them by the way nick bosa climbing up he's still second to to micah parsons in the defensive player of the year um odds there uh but you can get in on that if you think he's going to win that which i happen to think he he might leading the nfl in sacks now that might be a little bit of a key to this game coming up next of course college football college basketball nba basketball soccer esports you name it they've got it covered at bet online get informed as well as make your bets at bet online also have sports podcast which i'm sure if you're listening to this you already love you can find those at bet online as well always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed get over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at bet online where the game starts i feel like it's been a little bit guys since we talked about our friends at built bar tons of new flavors that you've got to try some seasonal flavors as well like white chocolate peppermint granola yeah they're doing granola now as well at Built Bar, cookie dough topper, cookie, a coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. Always reimagining new flavors at Built Bar. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. They taste amazing. Candy cane brownie puff. Yeah, Built Puffs as well. I know Croc loves himself some marshmallowy, fluffy Built Bar puffs. It's like the universe's most delicious cloud. And for anybody who knows and has tried Built Bars before, they're the best tasting protein bar on the market and somehow they pack all that flavor into a high protein low sugar low calorie treat we're talking uh 17 grams of protein in most built bars shockingly low in calories 130 calories low in sugar four or five grams of sugar and most built bars are covered in 100 real chocolate as well and guess what if you're a listener to this podcast you can get 15 percent off a box of your own built bars built you gotta try this get 15 percent off your order right now by using promo code locked on 15 at built.com that is promo code locked on 15 for 15 percent off at built.com one of the reasons I'm sure that the Buccaneers throw the ball short is because of what's going on with the offensive line. That happens to be the strength of the 49ers defense is that defensive line. I just mentioned Nick Bosa. He had three sacks last week. He's playing at a super high level. Uh, he doesn't get a lot of calls, so uh, I, I think maybe your left tackle over there might feel a little bit better in this game, just seeing how many flags come his way. Um, but it does seem like a bit of a mismatch and why the 49ers might really, really keep scoring down from that Buccaneers offense despite having the goaded quarterback is just that matchup of 49ers defensive line versus uh, Buccaneers offensive line. Is that the one thing that worries you? And do you think you'll just see more of the same of throwing it short because you don't want to get your quarterback killed? 
Yeah, so you know, going back to the loss that the Buccaneers had against Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh, I told our listeners and viewers that it looked to me like Tom Brady doesn't trust his offensive line and this coaching staff doesn't trust uh, the offensive line. And, and I think that that still is there, and I think you're 100% correct when you say that, but I do believe that this offensive line has gotten better and they maybe deserve a little bit more faith and trust than they've been getting uh, as of late. There were, I guess, the Monday Night Broadcast was kind of talking about Tom Brady not having as much time as you would want. And I'm sure on some reps, of course, that was that was obviously going to be true. But by and large, they're in night. I mean, everybody in the press box on the Bucks side of, of the coverage was kind of talking about, like, Tom, you need to take your time. And maybe he was getting the ball out a little bit faster than he needed to. And again, you know, pressure is cumulative and, and all those other cliches. And that's very true. Um, but losing Tristan worse is, is, is huge. So, like, the fact that they got that win while Tristan is wearing a boot. And I know Jason Light came out on, on uh, Wednesday and was like, well, he – Tristan might actually become day-to-day sooner than people really expect him to, but that doesn't mean San Francisco. Like, San Francisco doesn't have to worry about Tristan Wirfs stepping on the field. And then, obviously, the Bucs. Um, actually, I wanted to ask you guys. I saw that Nick Bosa's got a hamstring injury and didn't practice on Wednesday. I don't know if that's a legit concern because uh, no, never celebrate an injury, right? But Bucs fans will be really happy not to see Nick Bosa <laughs> on the field, and so will Donovan Smith and, and Josh Wells, for that matter. But even if Nick isn't on the field, you guys know, you know, and you can tell Bucks fans, they still got talent on that, like, it's not just Nick Bosa's gone. Okay, you don't got to worry about the pass rush anymore because they got a lot of talent. And I think Josh Wells, 50.5 pass block grading in his first start, uh, replacing Tristan Wirfs. And I know that PFF, you know, some people love that stuff. Some people completely discard it. But, you know, 50.5 is a significantly low grade, even if you don't necessarily like the way that they grade. Um, and three total pressures given up against Cam Jordan, who played a little bit more in coverage than I think a lot of people are used to seeing uh, Cam Cam do. So I think if Cam is rushing as much as, Maybe everybody expected that that number goes up a little bit, but I think that, yeah, Nick Bosa by himself, and also the fact that this already banged up offensive line is now playing with Josh Wells as their starting right tackle versus a, a sixth man on the field is definitely concerning. Yeah, I don't like that matchup for the Buccaneers at all. And to answer your question, Nick Bosa, uh, the vibe I get with b- three really key players for the 49ers, Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. They're all dealing with some minor stuff, and I think they're just being smart and holding those guys out early in the week. We'll get a better picture later on in the week um, and hopefully have more tomorrow on our final podcast of the week to to really uh, have a better idea if they have a, a, a bigger role in practice on Thursday. But um, as of now, I would expect all three to be able to play. But there is, you know, that that there's that, you know, that that little thing there it's like you know you could have a setback you you know you never really know especially hamstrings i mean you never know things are always secretive it could happen pre-game warm-ups right we're all like oh he's gonna be out this week so definitely something to monitor for the 49ers that uh that that there's some guys dealing with some soft tissue stuff and a little knee irritation is what they're calling it for christian mccaffrey which that's not a real thing so i wonder what really is going on there with christian mccaffrey but uh sounds like those guys are going to try to play through it for their rookie quarterback. Um, I'm going to save my prediction for tomorrow's show, but Croc, do you want to give your prediction on this one? Do you have a fully formed prediction about what this is going to look like with the 49ers and Bucks Sunday? This, this is tough because you, you know Tom Brady's record against guys in their first start. Now, I think probably most of those, 90% of those, if not all of them, were when he was with New England. I don't know, has he been in that situation with – Tampa Bay. So is that a little bit of Bill Belichick mystique and what he's done to young quarterbacks and not just guys in their first start. I mean, it's guys in their first year. He has destroyed those guys. So that has a lot to do with it. Can Tampa Bay have the same effect on Brock Purdy? I think right now, at least what we've seen is 49ers can figure out how to have a competent offense around him. You have a run game. He can lean on Christian McCaffrey. So it's like, hey, you don't have to be the guy at any point in this game. 
And you hope that the Tampa Bay offense continues to look like what it's looked like, which is kind of protrude. It, it hasn't been very good. So I still say this game will be closer because I think, you know, the rookie will somewhat come down to earth and have some moments where you'll say those are rookie moments. But I still pick the 49ers to win by four points, 21 to 17. That's, Dave, that's a good score think? prediction. Yeah. How do you, how do you see it going? Dave? Mine is, mine is very over similar, under, actually. Over under, by the way, is 37. Sorry to interrupt. For this one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my my score prediction is actually very, very similar. I didn't know that Brady versus rookies getting their or first start quarterbacks uh, stat. That's that's a very interesting stat. But I do know that Tom's undefeated in San Francisco. I mean, it's only one time, right? He was on the IR the other time that he had a chance to, to travel to San Francisco. So I get it. it's a very small sample size. But at that game, were you nice? Yeah, very nice. I feel like Tom, like, I mean, everybody knows Tom was a Montana fan. He's a Niners fan. Like he's he grew up wanting to play in i mean it wasn't that stadium but in san francisco right like he wanted to play and i don't think that's really a secret i don't think anybody should be butthurt about that but so i feel like even with all the struggles that we've seen even with some of the self-containing issues i feel like this is a game where you kind of see a little bit of classic tom brady i think last time he was in san francisco was what 200 280 or so yards and, and, a, and a lot of touchdowns i remember that um I think everything conventionally says you should lean San Francisco, honestly. And, and again, with Wednesday injury reports, I'm with you guys. I'm not assuming anybody's missing time based off of Wednesday. So if Nick's there, Debo's there, Christian's there, especially Christian or Kittle against Devin White, which I think Kevin, Kyle Shanahan's going to try to exploit uh, as much as he can. All the conventional wisdom in the world says you got to take San Francisco. But my gut, guys, says Tampa Bay 24-17. And Niners listeners and viewers, listen, you're probably going, okay, Homer, got it. But look... <laughs> Tweet the Bucks fans. They'll tell you. I will tell you if I think the Bucs are going to lose this game. And I will freely admit right here that all the conventional NFL wisdom, football wisdom in the world says you should pick the Niners. I, I acknowledge that. But, guys, I mean, my gut says, yeah, my gut says 24-17 Tampa. And, and there's not a whole lot of X's and O's reasons I can give you for it, but that's just what I think is going to happen. <laughs> Tom Brady's mystique is is real, and yeah. it's earned, and it's there yeah, for magic. a reason. And, and coming back home, and um, you should never be shocked if he's able to pull out a win like this. And aside from a rookie quarterback, everything does point the way of the San Francisco 49ers. But how does that rookie quarterback perform is going to go a long way in deciding who wins this football game. And that's why it should be so much fun. David, thank you for joining Croc and I on this very yeah, special absolutely. Thursday crossover episode of Locked On 49ers and Locked On Buccaneers. Everybody make sure you are subscribed up, hitting thumbs up on YouTube, the bell notification and all that on both of these podcasts. And David will be back tomorrow with Locked On Bucks. Croc and I be back tomorrow with Locked On 49ers. Make sure you check out everything else the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer as well. Locked On Sports Today, I mentioned earlier. How about the Peacock and Williamson NFL show daily right here on the network, breaking down the entire league and Croc doing Locked On NFL draft as well. We're both we're all pulling double duty here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we'll be back with you next time. Thanks for listening.